0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is the well, last and joined by my co-host, Brendan Clean. My name is Evan Sutter. both right and bright side of the sun. We're joining you actually following the Suns' loss last night. Even though it was a, a 10-point loss to Denver Nuggets, 113-103, there were actually a lot of positive take out of this loss, which is sort of the loss we've been looking for this entire year as far as good developmental losses go. And this is the perfect fit to its either. Dragon Bender had a great game, Josh Jackson had a great game. TJ Warren had a great game. Alfred Payton had a great game in his son's debut. So there's a lot of things that stand out, even though it's in a, in a loss, Brendan. So what's your overall thoughts and really your main takeaway as far as yesterday's game? Cause for me, I feel like it's a continued aggressiveness from Dragon Bender.
2: Yeah. And you can't ignore that. I don't think, but to me, I actually went back just now um, and looked, cause I remember the, the last Denver game being pretty fun and I, I couldn't remember. I knew we won, but I went back and looked at the box score and, um, for that game, too, uh, Josh Jackson had a pretty solid game, 16 points in that first matchup and only four, or that second matchup in only 14 minutes. The first one was a blowout, but I think the way that the Suns have been able to play in general, I think you see how well the matchup stacks for them because uh, as we've seen the past maybe two, three weeks now, especially with Bender playing so well, like you said, it lets the team play a lot smaller when they against teams who do the same. So obviously, Jokic is a beast, but you know they're playing Wilson Chandler at the power and I'm sure we'll talk about the lineup change to go along with this game. But I think that you're, you know, you start to see with matchups against teams like this how awesome the Suns look when they
0: are able to go small and and use that offensive versus a little bit more. Yeah, as we mentioned, the Suns did fall last night to the Nuggets. They're 18-39 of the season now, 123-113. And if we want to go through the quick box scores, just real quickly, TJ Spencer with 31 points on 13 of 17 shooting. Josh Jackson had 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, and 4 blocks, which is the first outing for a rookie to do that since Anthony Davis, Pope 20 and 4. Dragon Bender had 23, 8, 4, 1, and 2 on 9 of 14 shooting, which is career high for field goals and points. And Alfred Payton had 19, 6, and 9 on 65% shooting. So if you add in Devin Booker in there, I feel like the Suns might actually have won last night's game. So... If we can just touch real quick, like you said, on the lineup change, we saw Alfred Payton make his son's debut, and he moved into that starting point guard spot, which is pretty apparent after Us was out and Booker was out with only Josh Gregg available. But we saw Troy Daniels go to shooting guard in Booker's place, and then we saw Josh Jackson and TJ Warren slide up one spot to small forward and power forward, while Dragan Bender had really an entire lineup, three or four guys of all cutters, and it really allowed Bender to almost play like a, a Jokic-like role.
2: Yeah, we were talking right before we recorded how cool it would be. Uh if the Suns were able to play the Nuggets even more if they were in our division, because uh, that matchup is is really, really fun to watch. I mean, two big guys to each have over four assists in the same and be like the primary initiator for their – you don't know, really see many games like that. And it's just a cool style of basketball to get to see what two teams are both doing it.
0: Yeah, as far as as far as that goes, I mean, we can probably just go to Alfred Payton since I know everyone's probably looking forward to us talking about that. His debut went really well. And as that, or as far as that goes, what really stood out with Alfred Payton? Because for me, the passing immediately stood out. Because right? I feel like a lot of those guys, especially Dragon and Marquise, haven't really seen those types of passes head their way all season. I mean, I think Kellen Olsen um, tweeted the best uh, takeaway that I can think of, which is just, I think it was something along
2: the way, like you're seeing the difference that just any sort of adequate Initiation, playmaking can do for a team that doesn't have a lot of secondary creators. I mean, TJ Warren obviously has done an admiral job this whole season, stepping up. But you know, you just saw last night when when somebody who can just see the floor, make the right pass, make smart passes, like one step ahead of the defense. Uh, outside of, of Devin Booker, there hasn't really been anybody all year, and I think you know it's simple to say that, but I do think that. I think that's why they paid Peyton in, and I think that's what he saw in his first game. It's just how much value that can have.
0: Yeah, I was actually looking and doing some stat digging before last night's game, and I realized that the Suns now own the only duo, <laughs> in, as far as starters go, between Alfred Pay and TJ Warren, who shoot above 50% from the field. So I think that's a really intriguing thing. You now have two very efficient scorers in the starting lineup. You have a very good cutter and a very athletic guy in Josh Jackson. You have an elite offensive weapon once he returns from his health, and that's Devin Booker. And then you have a pass-first guy that's Really, almost a Swiss Army knife. He's turned into a really aggressive dragon bender all of a sudden over the last few weeks. is really, really promising development. So, as far as this all goes, is what, what are you taking away from this match and Where are you looking forward towards after the All Star break? Because now, now I feel like we might be in for a breakout as far as Bender goes, and even Jackson. Yeah, I think um, I, I hope, and I think Jackson
2: is a different case because um, just the way he plays is so aggressive. Like, I find it hard to imagine. You know, and we you know we talk all the time about that's good and bad, but I think in this case it's good because um, I find it hard to think even when Bender or when when Booker comes back and, and takes the ball and goes back to his role that we've seen him play all year. I just can't imagine that Jackson's really going to lose too many attempts because uh, he chucks it constantly. You know what I mean? And um, he's learning to do that more efficiently than he did earlier in the year, but I don't think he's going to take less shots. Um, Bender, on the other hand, goes back to even something that they were doing when, when Booker was healthy, when they still had Greg Monroe and they started to kinda do things more from the, the big men as as playmakers. Really been the only guy still able to do that. I guess Jared Jones too, but I we haven't seen them morph those both of those styles. The Booker, you know, pick and roll type thing, isolation scoring with the the being playmaking style efficiently. They really, when they've tried to have both of those going at the same time has been really bad. Those were some of the really, really bad blowouts we saw right before Booker uh, went to the bench. And that could be because he was injured, but I'm just interested to see, once he does come back and hopefully is fully healthy, what they're able to do to kind of use
0: use the strengths of every player rather than just Booker. Yeah, I feel like once Booker returns, it's going to make it really, actually, a, a really intriguing starting lineup. If they, I imagine they won't, like we mentioned before, about on air, but if Tyson Chandler does go into a second unit role over the last few months and Bender stays the starting five, I'd love to see that happen, but I doubt that does. But with Alfred Payton, we saw a lot a lot of people in Orlando, and we've seen it a lot. People watched a lot of Magic Games before. Alfred Payton was kind of an overhyped person as far as defense goes, coming out of Louisiana Lafayette. But McDonough and a lot of Suns, Sun's front office guys were telling me about, about them pretty much having a lot of potential with Payton defensively. He has this 6-4 6'4 frame, 6'7 wingspan, very long arms, very quick. So last night he had some very good moments actually against Jamal Murray and Gary Harris defensively. He seemed pretty locked in probably obviously because it was his first game in a new uniform. But just what's your thoughts on Payton defensively and also how that could work next to a guy like Booker? Because I feel like actually Payton could work really well even off the ball.
2: I think, yeah, I think um, obviously, you know, like we talked about in our initial reactions, like it's a lot of his – Is going to come off of his jump shot. Um, And if he can make it at a consistent rate, he didn't take single one. I think that'll change. I think he'll have to at least attempt that shot as a spot up shooter if Booker, you know, assumes the role he's had all season. And, you know, Peyton's not, I don't think, shown enough that you would expect that he's going to have more take possessions away from Booker when he comes back. So he's going to have to nail the three. But as a defensive player and, and Secondary playmaker. I think he, he makes it on the sense. Um, I, I do. I'm just interested to see how much he plays when Booker comes back as well. I think Maybe that'll go down a little bit. Um, if Booker still needs minutes as a point guard and Gray is healthy and available to play, I think Peyton's not going to play 35 minutes every night. Um, so maybe that evens things out as well. But um, defensively, I do agree. He is going to look so much better than everything we've had this year. And he's a different kind of player than Eric Bledsoe, too. I think Bledsoe obviously has had really good defensive scenes. Um, but he plays a little bit differently. He's way uh, uses like strength and force a little bit more, gets in people's chests and pesters them on the ball, whereas Peyton just is able to use his length and kind of fill space more. And um, that's going to be really valuable because the Suns do not have a player like that right now.
0: And real quickly on Peyton, just two quick thoughts there. I I saw late in the game, even though they were down, I think seven or ten at this point, the few minutes left, he had one sequence against Jamal Murray. He switched off Jamal Murray and all in the Wilson Chandler and blocked the shot at the rim. He recovered and got the ball and deflected it back away. And he was really clapping and looking over Triano, smiling at him. And then he hounded, hounded Jamal Murray on the next possession, too. So I think he's really buying into as far as defense when he's locked in. I actually like the profile that Peyton brings. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But offensively well, I-, I hope too. hold on
2: I hope that um just to mention this I hope that he does um you know one thing I was thinking about and I kind of talked about it when, I, when we were talking about like has Peyton really played with a player like Booker before and like Victor Oladipo is the closest he came and then Evan Fournier this year the players but I do think if Peyton is when Booker comes back able to take on like a secondary initiator type of role on offense and maybe play less minutes, I think that there is a potential, like you're saying, on being able to buy into defense a little bit more and, and kind of focus on being that kind of guy, especially with how valuable that can be on this particular roster. I think in Orlando, he was to do quite a bit um, to create offense for
0: them, and maybe not having to do that so much might benefit him a little bit. Yeah, Like I was going to say quickly on Peyton with his passing, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but a lot of times with especially when he was feeding Jackson early and Bender those guys have like I mentioned earlier they haven't had those types of passes to him that often so as far as development goes I think we're seeing rapid development especially with Dragan Bender over the last couple weeks with him finally showing his aggressive side took 14 shot attempts last night but as far as Bender goes and even Jackson even Chris you want to throw him in there as well just how do you feel like Payne's going to help accelerate these young guys development do you think it's going to help a lot
2: I hope so um, I think Especially.
3: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a house boat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: Shooters on the scene. Um, Dragon Bender, I would hope Devin Booker even is maybe able to increase and as a three-point shooter. Marquise Chris, Davon Reed, I think those guys especially will benefit in my mind. Um, I think there's certain players like Jackson and Warren who self so much with the way they play and heavy isolation types, inefficient type of shots occasionally that maybe, I don't know how much of a change that they're able to have from Peyton, but I I mean, I hope that he can he can make life easier for everybody. I just, um, you know, could be frustrating to see Warren and Jackson maybe not change as much as we want, even though there is a better playmaker on the team.
0: Yeah, that's a good point you bring up there. But as far as last night's game goes, 123-113 was the final, as we mentioned. Is there any big takeaways that you you want to take away from this matchup? Because for me, like I mentioned, it's Dragan and Josh's really acceleration towards seemingly a breakout over his last 20 or so games. said earlier, the lineup change is
2: really eye-opening, I think, Um, being able to see what they can do. We really haven't seen Warren play the four. I mean, this was similar, honestly, to the lineup that um, Pearl Watson broke out when two guys were playing the three and the four, so it's funny to see it come full circle and and then do it again. And um, So we haven't really seen it at all since Jackson's actually been a useful player, and so... You know, I think it did show that they can be effective playing really small like that. I think that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: As far as Bender goes, just real quickly on him to touch back. If you put him at center long-term, we touched on it a few episodes ago. Like I think I like the potential of him as the center if he can grow and add some strength, which he obviously has significantly since his rookie year. You can tell just Google image him from his rookie to sophomore year, and it's pretty apparent muscle-wise, but... Overall, just what's your thoughts on Bender if they can build him almost like a Jokic type where you can have really almost four to five cutters out there with Booker, Payton, Jackson, Warren. Chris, you want to throw him in there as well. I feel like you could really accelerate Bender's development as a passer too because we really haven't been able to see him really focal, like be a focal point of the offense as far as playmaking goes. But now I feel like we're actually starting to see a lot more flash of that. I mean, I, I think I've said all along um, that I –
2: I was waiting. I thought that the biggest key, and kind of from hearing what Triano said, that just you know being honest about like how big men are in the league, and I always felt like the biggest key for Bender to be able to to play center, heavy minutes like he's doing now, is a to you know become stronger, put on weight, and. Like you said, you can definitely see it. I've noticed it even more like the past month. Maybe I, I'm just looking for it, but um, that's a big step. And then also the rebounding to, you know, kind of use that that bulk and um, strength to actually make positive plays. And I think one of the biggest statistics for him last night and over the past few weeks that he's been playing center is offensive rebounding It four last night. There's been a, several times over the past few games where he's gotten an offensive rebound and gone right back up really strong, which is... A, but you have to be able to do that as a big man um, to be effective. and you know he's getting to the line a little bit more doing that. and I thought that's been a really big um, stepping stone for him. so I, i'm I'm hopeful I think that he's doing the right things. He's not just playing center nominally and and doing what he's always done. I' think he's taking that seriously and and assuming the responsibilities of you know what we've seen from Tyson Chandler and Alex Lynn the rest of the year.
0: Now, we saw Wednesday when they got blown out against San Antonio. That Triana rolled with Marquise Chris starting at center with Bender at power four. but he switched up for this game with Bender at center, and Chris came off the bench. Marquise Chris finished with five fouls last night, four turnovers in about 12 minutes. So it was a pretty awful game from Chris's standards. We still haven't seen a game yet where all three of those young guys, if you don't count Booker, go off in the same game. So I think once that happens, it's going to be pretty fun to watch. But as far as Chris goes from last night, just what's your thoughts on that? And also how he could fit long-term as a five? Because I know we saw tree rolled Chris once and didn't go so well against Aldridge. But how do you think it would have done against Jokic? I think it would have been just as bad. As, yeah. you know, the, the problem with him is, like, same Bender has been better because he's been able to play
2: bigger than he is and, and use his strength. And I just don't think Chris is there physically yet, but I also don't think if it's a comfortable style for him. I always thought he, he made more sense as a four, and, you know, maybe he can play the five as a, you know, different of, of weapon, especially with what he can do on offense dynamic um, finishing as a center in, in some lineups but he's quick enough I think to defend smaller fours and so even when um, they did play the Spurs and I thought it was a really odd decision to have Chris guard Aldridge that didn't make much of because their four in that game I believe was Kyle Anderson or, or it was Davis Burton The stretch guy. And I thought it would have made more sense for Chris to be chasing him than than guarding Aldridge in the post. So, yeah, that is something to watch going forward because the team seems much more
0: interested in Chris being a center than I ever have been. Hey, uh, real quickly, just looking over the point guard situation, we've seen a topsy-turvy of point guards. We've seen about seven, eight, if you count Josh Jackson, run the point against San Antonio when Uless went out. Just... What's your thoughts on Payton just compared to the other point guards this, this year? Because I feel like, even though, like we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, Alfred Peyton isn't an elite point guard. Not we're, we're not saying that at all, but having a starting quality NBA point guard just makes such a big difference in this roster. And I feel like it's, over the last four months, we've gone through just a, a whirling dervish with just no-name point guard.
2: I think he's probably the best passer to play on the team this year outside of, well, best point guard passer. Um, outside, not even outside of Bledsoe. I think he is probably at his best. He's a better passer than Bledsoe. Um, you know, he doesn't have the penetration and driving ability Bledsoe had. So Bledsoe was able to make passes because he had attracted so much attention, uh, when he was driving to the ramp, kick out and create easy baskets for other players. But I think. As just like a creating passes out of nowhere type of guy, Peyton's a lot better than that. So um, that was the main value I saw coming from him. And I think, you know, nine assists last night really set up a lot of guys well, especially in transition. I think, uh, you know, I'm seeing what I hope to see and that's really good.
0: And one final point with Peyton, just because I know we touched on in the very end of the podcast last time. Just what was your thoughts? I saw it up close and I was... Pretty caught off guard by it, but I know seeing an interview with Tom Leander, he's gonna cut it, which is surprising to me. But your final thoughts on Elfrid Payton's hair because I feel like maybe after the All Star break, we might not see it again with with, with the comments. He the said he didn't cut it? I Yeah, didn't see that. yeah, he said to Tom Leander on an interview that posted on the Sun's Twitter account. I think they showed on an FS Arizona pregame. He mentioned like he was like, yeah, I'm not saying like a verbatim quote, but I think he was saying something along the lines like, yeah, I'm getting tired of asking the question 24 <laughs> seven, and because like, someone, someone even asked him that like. Julie, the Suns PR person, told me, and Gerald, and the rest of the people, probably shouldn't ask Alfred about, but some some news reporter at the press conference in the back asked Alfred about what's up with his hair. He seemed pretty annoyed by it. So that was that was after that happened. So hopefully, I actually kind of like the hair. Like it's kind of a nice distraction for once. But just what's your... yeah, I mean,
2: it's like Anthony Davis. You can't can't get rid of it now. I think it's funny that he gets bothered. Like what what do you expect? You have like. I, did you really expect to walk around and
0: no one ever asked him about it? No, because it's weird. Like, I'm looking at like my videos I took in the locker room last night, and it's literally just an afro with just the hair going straight out of his face, which is a really interesting combination. But do you think, like, we talk about it a lot, like, as far as Alfred Payton goes nationally? But if he cuts his hair, which I feel like might be happening soon, do you think his shooting numbers are going to go up? <laughs> there was that, that slow-mo video of him missing that shot, airballing that. That jumper um i genuinely do think though like it
2: will be different you probably will have to adjust to playing with it like just the way you know if he's looking up the court he probably has to account for it on his head that's some weight that's like a pound probably of hair on his head it might actually be like a. he's, he's had it his whole career as far as i remember it, it might actually be a thing he has to adjust to
0: yeah hopefully if alfred doesn't cut his hair we continue to see the Greatest starting backcourt in NBA history till Booker returns with Jackson, his Afro and Alfred's <laughs> Elford Terry, was pretty fun to watch yeah, last night. Him. But as far as that goes, any final takeaways from last night's game, and we can also look forward to. I imagine the mascots going to take place at Oracle Arena on Monday night. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward
2: to that one. Uh, NBA TV late night game. I think the Warriors just—that's exactly the kind of game they take care of business in horrible team going up on their court especially if Chris doesn't play again although it seems like there's a decent chance he does um, yeah I don't know if there's really much to say there but I do think as far as one thing I did want to bring up on this episode I don't think uh, we've talked about it on the pod is uh, Jay Triano did say on Wednesday with you know Tyson Chandler it According to Scott Bordeaux, he just slipped on his neck wrong on Tuesday yeah. night. Uh, no, like, real injury. He didn't, you know,
1: fall on it or anything crazy. It's just pain.
2: Um, but Triano did say when he does get healthy from that, I, I, maybe it'll just be an all-star break at this point. Uh, he's going to play back-to-backs again. So that kind of... Makes things a little bit more interesting if we do, you know, depending on whether or not we see Drug and Bender um, again and and how much center position as a starter. And then also Alan Williams, uh, keeping tabs on him, he should be back, you know, maybe a month. You know, somewhere around there is where they're pegged. So I think we will see him this year. So that'll throw another um, curveball at at the rotation.
0: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw pictures on the Suns' Instagram account of big Sauce punch from shots in L.A. So... He might be getting closer to a return. I think merge sounds about right. So until then, I think we're going to be wrapping this podcast. We saw really good games out of not only Alfred Payton, in his debut, but Dragan Bender at center, Josh Jackson shooting guard, TJ Warren, once again, at a quiet 31 points and continues to be one of the most efficient scorers in the league as far as wings go. But the final score was 123-113. The Suns did fall. They'll be back in action Monday night in Oracle Arena, as we mentioned, against the Golden State Warriors. But until then, guys, we'll talk to you later.